Ignition running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Yep. Uh, it is Eric Erickson here on Atlanta's Evening News, and the phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Can we talk about Netflix for a minute? The the actual policy implications on taxing Netflix in Georgia. Some Georgia Republicans want to add a tax to your Netflix. I mentioned this yesterday. Have a few more details today now on this, and I, I find it very fascinating. Uh, so you've got, let me just read you here some excerpts from AJC reporting. Georgia lawmakers coaxed by dozens of lobbyists swarming the state capitol are pushing for attacks on digital videos, books, music, and video games. And then later in the piece, there's this nearly 60 lobbyists for cable TV and cell phone companies are making an argument that it's only fair that every service be taxed equally. One of the lobbyists said, you know, you go to a bookstore and you buy a book, it's going to get a sales tax, but you download it on the Kindle, it's not going to get a tax, it needs to be taxed, it's got to be fair. Here's what's actually going on here. The governor and the Republicans understand that they need to work on improving access to telecommunications infrastructure in rural areas, particularly to high-speed internet, to try to incentivize people moving into those areas. Well, guess who would be building out that infrastructure? The state of Georgia would not actually be building it. Uh, the, the cable companies, the TV companies, the cell phone companies, they're the ones that would be building it. And so essentially, they don't want to raise rates and do it. They want it to be a tax. If it's a tax, it's not their fault. So, for example, if, if AT&T or Charter or Comcast or Cox Cable or whoever were to raise rates and say, well, we're raising the rate for everyone so that we can build Internet here, and once it's built, we'll lower the rate, well, people would complain, and, and you would have this competition between the businesses. And you'd say, like, for example, at my house now, we, we've got Cox Internet. But I've also got fiber from AT&T now. And I could say, you know what, Cox, I, I'm going to hop to AT&T. They're cheaper than you now. And unless AT&T and Cox both raise rates to build out infrastructure, well, then one of them is going to be left holding the bag. And it's going to be a problem. So what they've decided is to send lobbyists to the state legislature. And they're saying, hey, tax us, tax us, please. Tax, tax, tax everybody. Tax Netflix, tax, tax iTunes, ta tax them all. And then give that money to us. This is a shakedown scheme with the government. You know, I had a criminal law professor in law school one time who asked what the difference between the mob and the government was. And everyone kind of looked puzzled. And he said the difference is that the government has the IRS and revenue agents and the mob has Big Louie. Big Louie can break your kneecaps, but the government can take your money legally. And there's nothing you can do about it. And he's right. And that's essentially what the cable TV and cell phone companies want the government to do. They want to take your money and then have the government give it to them. And they claim that they will then go in and build out this infrastructure. Oh, there are some catches when you think about it, obviously. Okay, so here's the situation. Um, they want the internet companies, they're already taxed. The cable companies are taxed. The TV companies are taxed. The cell phone companies are taxed. They're the ones with the infrastructure that you used. Well, they they want your 
internet content providers. They're the internet service providers. And now they want the internet content providers who use their lines for free to be taxed. They're trying to stick it to them. Remember, the, the FCC got rid of the whole idea of net neutrality, which was a garbage plan even though the left loves it. Um, there have never been any sort of violations that haven't been dealt with by existing regulatory structures. Net neutrality is the idea that a cell phone company can't prioritize traffic. Well, they, they never have, uh, even even though there are, there are worst-case scenarios of, but they could, they, they actually haven't done it. Uh, there's no reason to preemptively regulate uh, when regulation should be used reactively to stop things that are happening that we don't want to happen, and, and there's never been any of this happening. Well, what these, these companies are now doing is try to stick it to the content providers who for years tried to block them uh, with net neutrality, they want the government to come after them. So they want Apple's iTunes tax. They want Amazon Prime tax. They want Hulu tax. HBO Now tax. Netflix is the biggest one. Netflix and iTunes and now Spotify are the three big ones. They want your Spotify account. For those of you who are senior citizens and have no idea, these are streaming music services where you can listen to one of 100 million different songs on demand anytime with a monthly subscription. Apple Music, you can also buy individual songs through iTunes, uh, Spotify, and then Netflix, of course, online movie demand. So the cable, TV, and cell phone companies want all of these taxed by the government. And what's going to happen with the money? Well, they also want the money, once it's taxed, to go to them. And what are they promising to do with it? That they're going to expand broadband in rural areas. They're going to bring high-speed broadband. Now, there are no actual commitments for that. You will not be surprised. So there's no commitment as to speed. There's no commitment as to where it's going to be built. There's no commitment for any of it. Just tax them, and that's how you can fund it. And, oh, by the way, we can build it for you. It's a shakedown scheme from customers. See, the cable TV and cell phone companies, they actually do somewhat resent that you're not using their garbage products. Uh, and most of these Internet companies, uh, Internet service providers, they've tried to come up with streaming services, on-demand services, and whatnot, and they're largely not good. The reason everybody talks about Netflix is because Netflix, believe it or not, actually is good. Now, I think Netflix long-term isn't sustainable, but Netflix offers a number of good shows. I love the Marvel series. I, I love The Crown is excellent. Uh, they have some very good series on Netflix. Uh, Apple is about to start a, a video and TV service uh, that's got some strong buzz coming. It's got Apple Music is now ahead of Spotify in the United States for the number of people who stream music to Apple Music. Then there's Spotify, where a ton of people, particularly college-age kids, uh, stream music on Spotify. And, of course, HBO now has its HBO On Demand service, so you don't have to have HBO with the cable company anymore. You can have HBO now and bypass the cable company. Well, the cable companies hate that. They want to tax it all. They want to tax it, and they're subtly hoping that if you get all of these things taxed, maybe you'll decide it's not worth it. You'll just stick with cable, TV, and cell phones and their products. And they're using the arm of the state. So this is a big deal in the state house of representatives. Uh, the state house of representatives in Georgia is where this is being considered. Now, the conservatives in the state house are opposed to this. You should understand. Uh, I, I don't know that they have the votes with the unless they get Democrats on board. And of course, the Democrats will tax anything that breathes. So they probably can get Democratic support here. But uh, Jay Powell, he's the chairman of the House Rules Committee. He is very, very, very supportive of this. He's the one pushing it. 
And Jay Powell, I think he's from the Albany area. This is his way for funding rural broadband, and part of his part of the state is rural. I think this is dead in the Senate. Um, I, I am told that the lieutenant governor is not a fan of this idea. I am told the governor is not a fan of this idea. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is saying the same thing. Now, why bring this up if it's dead in the House? Well, you got to keep an eye on these things because sometimes they stick them into other places. But there's another issue here as well, and that is David Ralston, the Speaker of the House, giving a speech today saying Republicans need to, to find things to unite on, that they're getting divided. I'm assuming he's talking about me trying to push religious liberty. He's very opposed to it. And, of course, he's casting it about as, as anyone who disagrees with David Ralston is divisive and trying to tear apart the party, and we got to do whatever David Ralston wants because the Democrats are coming. The Democrats are coming. And yet here he is presiding over a House of Representatives where ranking Republicans want to tax your Netflix, Spotify, and iTunes. And somehow he's letting that go forward. Amazing. We'll get into what the speaker said when we come back. Here on WSB, if I can get everything working. So we had a power outage here in the studio a little while ago as the big storms came through, and everything seems to be messed up. And hopefully we got things online. Well, you think the weather sucks around here, consider elsewhere in the country where there are 70 mile per hour winds, coastal flooding and heavy snow, and that's Hawaii. (laughs) Yes, yes, Hawaii is having its lowest elevation snowfall ever recorded. Uh, That is that it can snow up at the, the highest peaks in Hawaii because they are so high, but they're getting snow down to 6,200 feet, which is unheard of in Hawaii. Uh, They're having 70-mile-an-hour wind gusts, uh, sustained winds over 50 miles an hour, and coastal flooding and power outages in Hawaii. Just, they're they're having a rough go of it there. Mm, Goodness, worse than we've had today. Uh, To the phones, Jeff calling from Duluth. You're up first tonight. Welcome. Well, uh, good afternoon. Did, were you aware that uh, broadband internet can be delivered over existing power lines? Yes. Therefore, no need for infrastructure? Right. And I, I'm guessing that the technology has some flaws as it hasn't really been deployed very much by power companies. It's, I guess maybe the competition from the big tele companies and cable companies has been too much. But I would think in these rural areas where the infrastructure is already there, they don't have to build the infrastructure. Right. Just use what you got. Yeah, there should be. And, and you know, someone else told sent me an email the other day that, that he and his mother uh, live within half a mile of each other, but they're separated by county line, and he's got AT&T Fiber, and she's on the Windstream satellite service to be able to get uh, internet, and hers is slower, and they're, they're literally a half a mile from each other, which is just something. Uh, more on this and David Ralston's speech when we come back. Yeah, as Chris was just saying, we, we've got on the west and northwest side of the city, it's kind of clear now. Head up 75 past uh, SunTrust Field. You get up 985 all the way to Canton, Ball Ground, Nelson. No rain right now, but more is moving into the area. Uh, on the south side now, down 85, you got light sprinkles. At 75 uh, south of the city, all the way down to Forsyth, really. You're going to start 
getting rain as the as the storms come through and up 85 all the way to South Carolina, you're going to have rain. Uh, now, David Ralston, he gave a speech over the weekend. Greg Bluestein at the AJC has it. Let me give you some of the highlights. Here's some quotes. We face this reality. Whoever has the majority after this year's election will control redistricting in 2021. That, in turn, will determine who controls state government in Georgia for at least 10 years. Then he talks about left-wing socialists who want to reboot politics in Georgia, but he spent as much time castigating Republicans who consider any whiff of consensus building or compromise an act of treachery. Above all, we must be united. We must reject those in our midst who spend all their time, and I'm talking every second of their time, finding fault with other Republicans. We must reject those who would tear us apart from within to advance their own special agendas. We must say no to those small cliques, some of whom even call themselves Republicans, who spend all their time tearing down other Republicans and never utter an ugly word about Democrats, and then they dare say they're principled. And guess what this is about? Religious liberty. David Ralston doesn't want conservatives to get a win on protecting religious liberty in Georgia. We've had coaches punished in Georgia for praying with their teams. We've had small businesses harassed in Georgia. We've had crisis pregnancy centers harassed in Georgia. We've had Kelvin Cochran, the fire chief of Atlanta, wound up winning in a, settling with the city for a large sum of money because they fired him because he was a Christian. And David Ralston doesn't want religious liberty protection. And if you want religious liberty protected in Georgia, like the federal government has, you're bad. You're a divider. You're a hater. Why is it that Republicans always have to fluff up the Chamber of Commerce types in Georgia and conservatives can't actually get a win? And conservatives are the ones who are attacked by people like David Ralston. You've got the House Rules Committee chairman in the Georgia House of Representatives wants to tax Netflix, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO, wants to tax all those things. Why is it that conservatives are the ones cast as the bad guy by David Ralston, but his chairman of the Rules Committee, is he's okay to consider big tax raises on suburban voters? By the way, I thought we were supposed to worry about the suburban voters. That's the thing that David Ralston doesn't want to give us religious liberty because he's afraid that the suburban voters, they won't like us anymore, but we're going to tax their Netflix and that'll be okay. They'll like that. They'll like getting taxed. They just won't like getting religious liberty protections. I mean, it's one thing for the Speaker of the House to say stuff like this, but the reality is he doesn't actually work like this in the state legislature. It's always his way or the highway. I mean, definitionally, with David Ralston, if you disagree with him, you're the hater. You're the divider. He says, we must work hard. We must focus on those things we hold in common, and we must never allow anyone to divide us and turn us against ourselves. We must respect that we will not always agree on every issue, but a great president said an 80% friend is not a 20% enemy quoting what Ronald Reagan there. Of course, that always gets the crowd to applause. But what, what's he saying? L let's review this line again. We must work hard. We must focus on those things that we hold in common. So Republicans can't actually advance the ball on anything where there's internal disagreement. So you've got to take off those conservative issues that Republicans support. What about school choice and school reform? You know, an 80% friend, 20% enemy, 80% of Republicans in the legislature like school choice reform. David Ralston is one of the single biggest impediments to getting school choice reform passed through the legislature. 
because David Ralston doesn't like it. He's willing to put his own personal policy preference ahead of everybody else in the legislature when it comes to reforming schools in Georgia. The majority of the Republicans in the state legislature, they actually support religious liberty legislation, but David Ralston doesn't, and so he blocks it. So you see what he does is you have all these things where 80% support. It's really hard to look at this and say, well, you know, 20% is the enemy. Because it's those 20% who increasingly all the time say, no, 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 my 20% is actually the majority. Or we have to do it my way, otherwise the Democrats will, will take over. In fact, this is one of the things he says. Stacey Abrams is coming. I don't know whether she's running against Senator Purdue or Governor Kemp, but she's a serious opponent. They have other serious people out there. We have to approach this challenge as if our future depends on it because it does. And you know I agree with that. And so what's he doing? Looking at raising taxes on the suburbs. What's he doing? Denying conservatives the things they were promised on the campaign trail. What's he doing? Not really doing anything on principle. I mean, whatever the Chamber of Commerce tells him to do, I mean, he's kind of a Muppet uh, there in the state legislature. David Ralston, he, he's on strings, and, and don't don't look down there. You, you may see an arm somewhere. Moving lips. I, I just it, It's, it's kind of useless, if you ask me. I mean, conservatives need to stand for something, and a majority of them in our state legislature do stand for things, and Ralston stops all of those things from advancing because he's afraid they won't be liked, but let's tax Netflix. And then he says, we're the haters, we're the dividers, we're the ones tearing up the Republican Party. Uh, we gotta, we got to rely on David Ralston to get it all done. Uh, he's just another big government Republican and doesn't like it when he's called out. Uh, and we have to continue to call him out and demand that, you know, they promised us we would get RIFRA. We would get religious liberty protection. Where is it? They don't want to give it to us now that they've gotten the vote. We've got to hold them accountable. Absolutely hold them accountable. Now, uh, we do need to move into national uh, legislation as well. Uh, Congressman Chip Roy, border congressman down in South Texas, he's going to join me at the top of the hour to walk through the budget deal, the immigration deal that it looks like Congress is going to pass. Uh, I thought it was a fair deal. He texted me last night and said, no, no, it's a terrible deal. And he's going to walk us through that. To the phones we go, David and Tyrone, you're up next. Welcome. Hello, Mr. Eric. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. And for what it's worth, even though we disagree sometimes politically, I want you to know I'm still praying for your wife. I appreciate day. it very much. Uh, as to David Ralston, the only reason that guy is even considered a Republican is because of the failure of our government education system. Well, there you go. Uh, there, there's nothing this man does that would anybody could say is conservative yeah yeah you know it reminds me of the old school days and you know full disclosure here i i campaigned for as a student in the college republicans campaigned for david ralston when he was the republican nominee for secretary of state uh, or not for secretary of state for attorney general back in the in the 90s uh and he would have been a good republican attorney general but uh, he's also one of those republicans in georgia who grew up uh with the democrats and it and particularly uh, ideologically a Republican. He's one of those people where if he says it's Republican, it's Republican. Uh, but, you, you know, you, you do have to acknowledge uh, the, the sense of fear in in his speech, and I'm getting this from a lot of members of the state legislature. They were really shell-shocked by the November election. 
It's why they rushed for the ERA in the, in the state Senate, why they're rushing for, for tax and Netflix in the state House. They're scared. They're panicked. They don't have a game plan. The Democrats are more organized than them. They have taken their majority for granted, and now it's, it's, it's coming back to bite them because they don't have any principal ideological positions they're advancing. Trent, calling from Atlanta. You're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Um, just on the topic of, of David, um, I'm a big advocate in the, in the 2A community. And um, he's he's not even letting a bill get to the floor on uh, Brian Kemp's constitutional carry, um, and that that holds you know root to our religious freedom as well. So I just want to get your thoughts on that, and how, what's our next step on getting Ralston out? Well, you know, he's got a lock on the state house right now. I honestly don't know that for the next two years anybody's going to be able to do anything. I don't know that he's going to continue to be speaker after these two years. Uh, maybe he needs a, a plum appointment somewhere and into something to get him out of there and find a better speaker. He he is blocking. He's blocking Second Amendment legislation. He's blocking First Amendment legislation. He's blocking a, a host of good legislation, and it's all in the name of of we got to stop the Democrats for advancing it. And this is. The single biggest problem for the Republicans right now in our state legislature is that they are playing on defense and they're shell-shocked in doing it. Uh, they don't have an offensive game plan to move down the field. All they are is they want to dig in, hold their positions, not let the Democrats uh, make any more gains. And that's actually how they're going to lose because they're not offering people anything uh, other than we don't want them. And that's not a really a compelling message for people in Georgia, particularly when the conservatives got you elected and now you're giving them the middle finger. Rain, rain, rain. At least uh, the next wave will be here in the next 90 minutes or so, 30, 45 minutes. It'll blow through in the next 90 minutes, rather. 90 minutes to 120. Okay. We got to get sherry's berries out of the way here except you don't want to get them out of the way you want to get them into your stomach you want to get them into your home you want to get them into the homes of your loved ones because they're a wonderful gift to give they're a gift i give uh, in fact they're a gift i have given my wife this year for valentine's i really actually have uh, and have been giving this uh, gift for gosh 20 years now since i was in college uh, they're fantastic. They really are. Uh, if you love strawberries, you have somebody in your life who loves strawberries, Sherry's Berries is what you want to do. Now, I know you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to go to your local grocery store, and they're going to have chocolate-covered strawberries. You're going to say, hey, well, why bother with Sherry's Berries? I can get these. Well, they really are inferior to Sherry's Berries. They're not as big. The chocolate's not as high quality. Uh, they're just, they're not as good. And you get a great deal with Sherry's Berries. You can give Sherry's Berries for $19.99 plus shipping and handling. Plus, order now and you can make Valentine's even more special with a dozen red roses for just $19.99 more. Shipped with your Sherry's Berries at no extra charge. All you do is go to berries.com. You click on the microphone. You enter my code Erickson uh, when the window pops up. That's berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone and enter my last name, Erickson. Uh, you're going to want to order today because it is time is running out. Now, when we come back, we need to break down the budget deal in the Congress. 
what's going to happen, what's not going to happen, what's in it, what's not. And to join me in breaking it down, a good friend of mine who was elected to Congress, a resurgent readers actually helped him raise money. His name is Chip Roy. He's a congressman from South Texas, uh, the Austin to San Antonio area his district runs. And he is strongly in favor of securing the border. He's been working uh, on helping advance this deal. He used to be at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and he knows the inside scoop even better than I do. I will tell you, I talked to folks in the White House last night, and they kind of feel like they're, they're stuck. Uh, the shutdown didn't get them what they wanted, and they don't see any way forward other than going along with this deal. They don't think that the shutdown had the effects that it had. And I personally think that the president didn't campaign as aggressively as he should during the shutdown, but they don't they don't see a way forward in this other than the deal. Now, I looked at the deal originally and I thought, yeah, this, isn't, this isn't a bad deal. It's a fair deal. Uh, the president said in the State of the Union, the Border Patrol would set the parameters for the border wall. They wanted $1.8 billion. Instead, they're going to get $1.3 billion. Uh, the White House says the president's not happy about it, but he may have to go along with it even though he's not happy and keep working on it. Uh, but Congressman Roy from Texas, I want to get his take on this, what he thinks. He's not happy about it, uh, very not happy about the deal, does not think it's a good deal. And we can we can have a good conversation on this because I think it probably is the best deal they're going to get, and he wants more. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News, the second hour of the show here on WSB. Rain moving through the area, uh, starting to get that second wall of, of showers coming in. Now, if you're headed out I-20 towards Alabama, very, very uh, heavy rain now in the Douglasville area all the way out. And Marietta starting to get rain on the north side as well, moving in. Um, th- so there's a budget deal, allegedly, in the works. The president not very happy about the deal. Uh, and I've talked to some folks in the White House. They say they're not thrilled with it, but that they're not sure they can do any better. Uh, a buddy of mine who is in the know on this sort of stuff and actually is a congressman in South Texas and has been down to the border of late, has a real interest in this, obviously. Uh, congressman Chip Roy is joining me. Welcome. Eric, how are you, my friend? I'm great. How about yourself? Oh, well, I'm doing uh, wonderfully, given that I'm in the swamp. I'm just uh, keeping my head above water, as you know. (laughs) Okay, so last night I I put up the piece that it sounded like a fair deal to me, and you texted me and said, no, it's not. I I, want to let you kind of navigate people, myself included, through what you're hearing about this deal. Well, that's great. I'm glad you outed yourself for your your inappropriate post last night. Now, look. Uh, and, and for all your listeners out there, uh, Eric's such a great friend and a great voice for conservatism. And and, uh, and look, we can all agree to disagree at times on some of this and, and have a beer and figure things out. It's OK. Um, uh, look, here's the problem fundamentally. Nothing in this bill, no matter how you slice it, recognizes or addresses fundamentally the problems we're addressing. It's a it's a fundamentally unserious proposal, no matter how you look at it to deal with the 400,000 people streaming through the Rio Grande Valley, 200,000 of whom aren't going to even get apprehended. uh, apprehended. And of the 200,000 who do, 90% will be caught and released. It doesn't deal with the fact that the Gulf cartels are going to make $130 million moving those people across the border. It won't do anything to deal with the uh, uh, asylum problems and the 
problems that the courts have now created, judicially created catch and release, all of which is creating the pressure valve, and none of it's going to actually result in, in true significant amount of fence being built. It's the baseline amount of money that was in the 2018 bill. It's embarrassing. There was no reason to even have this whole fight over the last 40 days if this is where we're going to end up. And so I'm of the belief that we need to do a two-week CR, and we need to keep the heat up on the Democrats and demand that Democrats explain why are they afraid of actually building more miles of fencing, actually standing up and doing what's needed to create the beds so that we can house the families and the kids they keep complaining about in cages. Let's put the beds in place so that we can house the families, process them, and make sure that we are uh, securing the border. Well, you know, to to my point on, on this being a fair deal compared to where we were in December uh, and, and having absolutely nothing, uh, it seemed like we were at least going to get over, just over a billion dollars to do something. But the whole thing overall, you're right, does seem rather ridiculous that it's not just the Democrats, though. It seems like there are a lot of Senate Republicans who aren't fully as committed to border security as they get on the campaign trail and they, and they claim to be. And so we're kind of stuck. So here's the thing. In December, Democrats actually offered $1.6 billion at one point. $1.3 has been on the table nonstop. It, none of it dents where we need to go. The 55 miles of fencing they're, they're talking about putting up. Look, I'll be grateful to have some fencing going, but the president and the administration are moving forward with fencing. We know that they've got the Section 284 in the United States Code, which allows some uh, leeway for the president appropriate under law to go after and stop drug interdiction, including fencing. But what's galling about all of this, Eric, is the Democrats supported in a bipartisan basis the Secure Fence Act. Now all we're asking for, after promises from Pelosi, which, of course, you and I both knew were buckets, we knew that they were going to uh, renege on their promise to say, OK, now we'll deal with border security. They're not. And they're fundamentally unserious about it. Fencing works. And for any of your listeners out there who are buying any of this nonsense about tunnels and, and ladders, go down to the Rio Grande Valley and show me the 35 miles of fencing that exists in Brownsville and the much less fencing in open uh, areas in McAllen and see 94% of that 400,000 foot traffic this year is going to go through McAllen. We saw a 90% drop in San Diego when fences were put up in the 1990s from 500,000 plus apprehensions down to 30,000 apprehensions. The fences work. We need to put them in place. And we need to get serious about building the beds and the capacity to deal with the family units that are coming here. You know, and you saw me, I went down to the border 10 days ago mm -hmm. in the Rio Grande Valley, spoke with some of the people coming across the border. And these are, these are uh, families that are being used by the cartels as shields so they can make profit while we pat ourselves back in the false name of compassion that, we, that we're good for having open borders. It's right. nonsense. Joining me is Congressman Chip Roy from Texas. And Chip, what do you think the state of play is right now? Because it, it, I, I talked to someone at the White House late yesterday, and they, their sense was that they're kind of boxed in over the shutdown and between the president's collapse and polling during the shutdown, the Republicans being tired and don't want another shutdown. You've even got guys like David Perdue who supported the fight last time now saying we're going to have to take this deal. I mean, it, it seems like it's going to be moving forward. Well, I, I'm not sure what the, the White House and the president will decide to do. It's obviously up to them. Uh, my question here is what is everybody afraid of? We're winning. We're winning the fight, ladies and gentlemen. We are. We're talking about the lack of security at our border that's fundamentally undermining a sovereign nation. 
It's endangering the migrants who seek to come here. It's endangering American citizens. We're out there on a message that's common sense to most Americans. And all we need to do is say, fine, you know what? Two weeks CR, we don't need to shut down. Let's keep debating. Why let Nancy Pelosi go on offense on, on her ridiculous you know, new Green Deal agenda and whatever the world she's going to do to get cows to stop farting? Why, didn't, why don't we actually just you know, pay attention and keep our eye on the ball to do our job and what we promised the American people to do and secure the border? What in the world are the people at the White House or in the United States Senate where they wring their hands, cowering in the corner, worried about a, the 95 shutdown still in their, in their dreams? What are they afraid of? We're winning. Now, you say you're winning, and, and it reminds me of that polling, the CBS poll after the president's State of the Union address, where 72% of Americans who heard him make his case on the border agreed with him on that, and that included a, a fair number of Democrats as well. And it, it, I'm still kind of wondering why the White House hasn't been more aggressive. You saw the Democrats flee to Puerto Rico during the shutdown. The president stayed bunkered down in the White House, which I understand the optics of that. He didn't want to travel during the shutdown and stuff, but seems like maybe there should be more campaigning by the Republicans on this issue than there has been over the last month. Look, I fundamentally believe that when we're on offense right now talking about something the vast majority of the American people believe in, and we can continue to do it in a way that is what I know you believe and what I believe as a Christian, as a conservative, as an American, that we need to be mindful of the, the well-being of the migrants who seek to come here. We need to welcome migrants to come here. We need to make sure that we've got the right uh, uh, mechanisms in place to, to do that, but that at the end of the day, we are in fact failing the migrants and the American citizens by allowing cartels to have undue influence. Go on offense, win that message. The president did well because he spoke rationally, based on facts, in a way that resonated with American people, the State of the Union. We've been on offense now for almost you know, 45, 50 days, whatever it is now, uh, on this topic. And we're winning. We ought to stay on it and stay on that message nonstop. Because, look, are we talking? We had a blip on the new Green Deal. And now we're back to talking about border security. Let's stay on it, right? This is our turf. This is good for America, and it's good for the the uh, country for us to get our immigration system fixed. All right, we're out of time. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to to stop by and explain this to us. I do appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Best of your beautiful bride, and and y'all be well down in Atlanta. Thanks, you too, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. Uh, calling from Washington, D.C. about this border bill. The White House president says he doesn't like the deal, but he may still sign it into law. We will see if this continues. It depends on, frankly, conservative outrage building over the situation. The phone number here is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB talk. You know, the Democrats walked back that white paper related to the Green New Deal, and now they're coming out saying the things in that white paper, and they're believing them. I've got details, audio. Cory Booker calling for vegetarianism imposed by Congress. I want to get into all that. And when we come back, the Green New Deal, Cory Booker outing himself as wanting us all to be vegans. Number here is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk T A L K. For those of you who, well, you're still thinking that Stacey Abrams won in November.
<laughs> you know, she said that they had a rally in Gwinnett County where she was just overwhelmingly dominant, uh, talking about how they won, they won, they won, they won, uh, that they, they won everything. Maybe in Gwinnett County, but uh, no, they didn't win. Uh, it's always these moral victories for Democrats when they lose. Somehow they still manage to win. Uh, the Democrats are continuing the rollout of their Green New Deal. Mitch McConnell saying he plans on uh, bringing the Green New Deal up for a vote. He's intrigued by it. Let me say, first of all, however, I've noted with great interest the Green New Deal. And we're going to be voting on that in the Senate. We'll give everybody an opportunity to go on record and uh, see how they feel about the Green uh, New Deal. <laughs> uh, let me tell you how the president feels about the Green New Deal. Oh, well, for some reason, we have audio of the president. Uh, last night, let's see if I can find a different way to bring up this audio from the president, who, well, he is loving the Green New Deal. And the reason the president is loving the Green New Deal is because it gives him something to show how extreme the Democrats are on the issue of the environment. And, well, now it looks like the we're, we're having trouble with this particular sound clip of the president. He, he said, you know, these Democrats, they want to ban cows farting. They want to get rid of the combustion engine. They want to get rid of the airplane. Uh, they want to make you ride trains and on and on and on. Of course, the, the media is running out today saying, oh, Mr. President, oh, no, no, Mr. President. That's not true. The president also went after the fact checkers, Democrats by the way. Democrats are calling for massive tax hikes and the complete elimination of private health care. Many of us have private health care. That means you can stand on line for five days as you wait for a doctor that is not nearly as talented as your doctor. Remember, you can keep your doctor. Remember that? 28 times. You can keep that didn't happen. Turned out to be a lie. Hey, where are the fact checkers? You know, some of the most dishonest people in media are the so-called fact checkers. Yes. Yes, they absolutely are, Mr. President. You're absolutely right on that. And uh, it, it, this actually is a, a big issue. The fact checkers are doing cover for the Democrats on this Green New Deal. For example, they said that, no, no, the resolution doesn't call for imposed veganism on everyone. And yet here comes Cory Booker. Given an interview, I didn't even know there was a vegan magazine, but there is a vegan magazine called Veg News. And he says he gave up eating eggs because they didn't align with his spirit. Does anyone know what the heck this means? Eggs did not align with his spirit? I, I have no idea. Let, 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 me, let me read you some quotes from this interview. He says, the number one reason for rainforest destruction now is animal grazing land. We see greenhouse producing gases produced. The devastating impact is not practical. The numbers just don't add up. And he goes on to say that we need to get rid of large farms, that we should only have small and medium-sized farms. And if that drives up the cost of meat, well, people will have to switch to being vegetarians. The tragic reality, he said, is this planet simply can't sustain billions of people consuming industrially pr produced animal agriculture because of environmental impact. It's just not possible. So he wants to use the government to shut down large farms and force you all to be vegans. And are you going to be vegans? No, you're not going to be vegans. You're going to make other unhealthy food choices if you can't have your hamburger. That's the way people are. 
And then, of course, there's Ro Khanna. He's a congressman, uh, I think from out in California. Here's what he has to say about all this stuff. So a few questions on this Green New Deal. Do you regret the way that it was rolled out? Do you wish that that had happened in a more clean way? Sure, it would have been better if uh, the actual document was released, which is common sense. There are two points to note. One, this is not a new idea. Barack Obama ran on a Green New Deal. The term was actually coined by Thomas Friedman. Bill Clinton has championed it. It's just common sense that instead of China leading the clean tech economy, America should lead it. We should be creating the jobs in solar and wind, the fastest growing industries. We should be leading in electric cars. That's what the Green New Deal is, and it appeals to a broad segment of the American people. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Uh, there's actually so, several analyses out today noting, in fact, USA Today has a very interesting piece out about how much of the Green New Deal actually has nothing to do with the environment of all things. That They want to do all these things supposedly to clean up the environment, and yet what they're offering has very little at all to do with the environment. Uh, the Green New Deal's, uh, let's see, what is this, 55 Promises that have little to do with climate change. Uh, guaranteed jobs for all, high-quality union jobs, paying prevailing wages, hiring local workers, offering training and advancement, wage and benefit parity, family leave, medical leave, paid vacation, retirement security, economic security, strengthen unions, safety regulations, health regulations, anti-discrimination rules, ending wage stagnation, socioeconomic mobility. In fact, there are plenty of studies that show that the wealthier people become and the better the economy is, the more likely it is they contribute to climate change. They actually need an economic recession in order to stop it. And guess what? That's what actually will happen. There will be an economic recession, and the Democrats will rejoice at the economic slowdown because there will be less carbon and, and climate change produced emissions into the air. They really want to send us back to the dark ages to solve this problem. They are religious zealots. The rain is starting to clear out now on the west side. It's it's moving through. So you got light rain now. Canton, Woodstock, Kennesaw, Smyrna. It's all headed Towards the northeast, uh, Roswell, Sandy Springs, the 400 corridor, you're going to get a little more rain, and then it's clearing out. Valentine's Day is coming up in two days, and if you want to get something really good, you need to get a move on, and, well, Sherry's Berries is going to be a great gift for you to give. Roses, chocolate-covered strawberries, what more could you ask for for Valentine's in, in great packaging, too. You can go to my Instagram account at E.W. Erickson and see what we got from Sherry's Berries for my wife. You can get it for your wife or significant other starting at $19.99 plus shipping and handling. And if you order now, you can make Valentine's really special by adding a dozen red roses for just $19.99 more. Ship with your Sherry's Berries at no extra charge. Now, what you do is go to berries.com and you click on the microphone at the upper right. A little window is going to pop up. You're going to put in my last name, Erickson. That's going to be your code, and it will redirect you to this great deal. Again, $19.99 plus shipping and handling for Sherry's Berries, $19.99 more for a dozen beautiful red roses. That's berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. You click the microphone, enter my last name, Erickson, but you got to order today. Time is really running out on this. I got to play this. Soundbite. Heather McGee, a Democratic strategist on MSNBC, talking about how you, you people listening right now, want your taxes to go up. 
Whoa. Infrastructure, oh, you can so. have physical infrastructure and you can have social infrastructure. It's the infrastructure that builds economic opportunity. We have a record economic inequality, record deficits thanks mm -hmm. to a Republican set of tax cuts that mostly benefit the ultra-wealthy. This is a time when we need to reinvest in the American dream. Those ideas are popular. They withstand the, what, the sort of imaginary suburban voter who thinks, oh no, you know, the government's coming for my money now. The majority of Americans would be willing to pay more taxes for things that would help them make ends meet. Universal child care, affordable education, housing. These are the things that I frankly would rather pay for socially instead of everyone paying too much I, I think privately. Democrats need to make that argument. That make that distinction? That, no, that you, everybody likes to hear that you can have a lot of social programs with almost no trade-offs, but there will be trade-offs. And the honest argument is that, yes, of you'll course. have to contribute more. <laughs> yes, they do. They, they should absolutely campaign. Democrats right now are so convinced that everyone agrees with them on everything and that the president is so awful uh, that they have it in the bag for 2020. And as a result, if they want to go out there and they want to campaign on raising your taxes and having you vote for it, I say let them. Let them go out there and campaign on this Green New Deal. Let them go out there and campaign on shutting down wonderful restaurants like McKendrick's and Bones and, and Howl's and other great steakhouses in Atlanta where they're going to turn them into to vegan restaurants. Let, let them campaign on all that. Let them campaign on shutting all this stuff down. I suspect it will go over about as well as you trying to swim holding lead bricks. And that's what they want. So I say go for it, Democrats. You own the tax increases on the middle class and see how far that gets you. We will be back here tomorrow night. Thankfully, the storms will mostly blow through, but stick around for Kirk Mellish in the morning and Scott Slade for the latest on the radar and the traffic and more.